0: This message was presented at the GYC 2014 Conference at the Cross in Phoenix, Arizona. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org. Our Father, we know that the struggle is real, that it seems sometimes that we share a body with another me. But, Father, we are thankful that even though it is sin that dwells in us, that we have the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And, Father, that you are willing to cleanse us because of what Jesus has done. We take this opportunity to express our gratitude and to present our bodies a living sacrifice, to yield our members to be instruments of righteousness. And we ask, Father, that as we open your word and reflect even more upon the cross of Jesus, that you would speak to us again in ways that we need to hear your voice. We thank you for these gifts and we offer this prayer from our hearts. In Christ's name, amen. amen. Title of our session is Crossfire. God, why didn't you come through for me? I imagine that some people are here. Because their lives have been touched by disappointment. Am I right? Something about those words, God, why didn't you come through for me? It resonates with us. I believe we live in a world of people who are disappointed. They did surveys about these different generations and how they find meaning in life. They said that there are about three or four generations now maybe five generations upon the earth and I'm a little bit tired of you know hearing these different sessions and focus groups about how we need to witness to this particular generation the millennials and I feel like the problem that they grapple with is the problem that many people grapple with across many generations but they try to box people and say that there are people who were born around before 1946 that these people are called traditionalists and that these individuals, they, they found purpose in life simply by providing for their children to have a better life. And this will come up in my seminar tomorrow again. But then their children are called the baby boomers. And the baby boomers is the most educated generation because of all the hard work that their parents had done to make sure that they were educated, they became the most educated generation. And their their goal was to get into positions of influence so that they could institute substantial change in society. And their children, Generation X, they saw how hard their parents were working. They couldn't stay at the park too long because dad's pager would go off. They couldn't have family dinner because he was always being called back to the hospital. They, they weren't able to really get together around holiday time because their parents had to work during the holidays. So Generation X grew up and said, you know, I don't want that kind of life from my family. To me, the focus should be the family. And so Generation X said, we're, we're going to spend time on family vacations, our hobbies, go snowboarding enjoy nature take walks save up money go to a nice destination and just experience life with your children with your wife with your husband but then their children are what we call the millennials and their children saw that their parents are like oh it's all about family but these kids were watching the news they're a connected generation social media cnn youtube They were aware of many more things than their parents were aware of. So this generation grew up and they knew about the crisis in the Middle East. They knew about boys in Uganda being forced to take up arms and kill people or they would be killed. They knew about children who were used as suicide bombers. And these people, this generation grew up and said, I don't want to just live my life for my family. There are needs that need to be met in the world. And so, therefore, I want to get involved in a cause. But they realized that there were so many different needs, that there were so many different causes, they didn't know what to invest in. And when they came to the church, the church had nothing for them. Pathfinders. That's nice. That's good. But they look at themselves and say, is that all we can do? Learn how to start a fire. Make sure you read through Desire of Ages and you get a patch. When children are starving in Sudan, when refugees are in Syria, that's where the generation wanted to be, but there was nothing for them. And they said the only problem with this generation is that they have no agreed upon answer to the problem. How do you find meaning in life? This is a generation addicted to antidepressants, the most depressed generation. Because I believe we live in a time where people are disappointed. People are not satisfied with life. They feel like they expected a lot out of their family, but they didn't get that. They feel like God didn't come through for me with my parents. This person's dad supported them when they played basketball. My dad never shows up at my games. God, why didn't you come through for me? You find that people have always felt that they were disappointed by God. I talk to single Adventist girls all the time, disappointed that there is no quality young men. And after constantly remind them, you know, they say, you know, how come God hasn't sent my husband? And I look at them and I say, listen, you're not married because you can't get married. That's not why you're still single. You're single because you can't just marry anybody. There's a difference. I wasn't trying to get married just to get married. Just to fulfill all righteousness. This is not like baptism. (laughs) Yep, you know, baptize, spend a few years, get married. No, you're you're single because you don't want to be disappointed. I'm not going to institutionalize failure in my life. And so in the same sense, people have always felt just like these Adventist young women that they've been disappointed. God hasn't come through for me. I'm trying to be faithful to his word. I'm carrying myself like a woman of nobility and character. I'm studying my word. I'm doing evangelism. I'm serving God. Only to find out at the end of it is you get approached by some knucklehead. I mean, you're only laughing because you know I'm telling the truth. And I've had to counsel many of these knuckleheads. And unfortunately, it is a reality. There's just too many men that just don't man up. But that's not what my seminar is about. So let me, not, let me not disappoint anybody. I didn't come here for relationship advice. We came here to talk about disappointment. We live in a generation of people that are disappointed. They've been let down even by their own government. They've been let down by their local church. Young people come to GYC many times because this is the only place they're going to hear the word of God preached. Because the pastor is afraid to tell the congregation the truth. Afraid to take a stand for principle because the board might be divided. Listen, if division is the result of standing on the side of truth, then let there be division. That's why people come to GYC many times. Because their local church pastor is a disappointment. Some people come to GYC because they also recognize that their local church community is a disappointment. You go to Sabbath school only to listen to somebody, get off on their soapbox. Oh you know, this is why we should be doing this in the church. Brother, what are you doing? So quick to tell a girl her skirt is too short. When's the last time you bought her one? <laughs> Living a generation of people that are disappointed. I don't want to hear about your standards if you're not going to help me to reach them. People are disappointed. We feel like God hasn't come through for us. But it's unfortunately not just within these loose relations of life, it's even within areas where you expected there to be commitment. Husbands and wives. And people thought I married a Seminade Venice godly person because I thought this would guarantee that I'd have a long, living, joyful marriage. Only to discover that that's not the case. That people are a disappointment. You say, Lord, why didn't you come through for me? Why didn't you tell me before I started dating this person that this would end this way? Cannot tell you the numerous times I've sat down with young people so broken by relationships that they prayed about, that they sought God, that they got counsel. They said, I did it God's way. I fulfilled the conditions and the result was brokenness. God, why didn't you come through for me? You could have told me in a dream, this is not the person. You could have spoken to me in prayer and said, do you know where this is going to end? It's going to end in a painful place, in a painful way, and at a painful time. God, why didn't you come through for me? People have been disappointed, or at least felt that they've been disappointed by God since the dawn of time this is not a new experience when you go to john chapter 11 turn there with me we find words that i believe articulate the very feelings of disappointment in god when we feel like jesus has let us down john chapter 11 when you're there you can say amen. amen if you're not there just say have mercy John chapter 11. Are you there? The Bible says in John chapter 11, we know the story of Lazarus. Jesus received a message from Mary and Martha, people that he loved. And he said, Lord, he whom you love is sick. But Jesus delayed his journey. And the Bible says that finally when Jesus came in verse 17... He found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. He was no longer sick, he was dead. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus her first words to God after she just recently lost her brother four days ago. She says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. You can sense the disappointment in her words. Although it comes across as a point of faith, it's almost as if she believes like, Lord, I know that you were here Disease flees at your touch. I know that you can raise people from the dead, but Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. There is a sense that the presence of Christ can restrain certain evils from our lives. As if in order for evil to come, God just has to not show up. So she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And I feel like this is the language that articulates the pain of a person that feels disappointed by God. Because you can go all the way back to Abraham in Genesis 16 when Sarah after almost 20 years. So you're thinking to yourself, God promised that you would become the father of many nations. So in order to be a father of many nations, you got to have children. And the Bible says God had not yet given Sarah children. But Sarah is the one that told Abraham. Well, since God hasn't given me children, here's my handmaid. And before this man married his Egyptian slave. You could sense the spirit in Sarah that was saying, Lord, if you had been here, I wouldn't have given my husband to sleep with my slave. We felt disappointed that God, when we're waiting on God, it is almost a sense of disappointment like, God, you didn't come through. I was expecting that when we left his father's house, all our wealth, all our sense of comfort, and we began to journey for God, that God would come through for us. But year after year passed, no children. You start thinking to yourself, God, why didn't you come through for me? And he begins to provide an answer to this question. And it says, one of the reasons that many of us suffer apparent disappointment in God is because God is saying, sometimes I'm just testing your faith. Sometimes I want to know, do you really trust me? Because people who don't trust God cannot wait on the Lord. That's why the psalmist reminds us, wait, I say on the Lord. And the ones that wait upon the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They're the ones that are going to walk and not be weary. They're the ones that are going to mount up with wings as eagles. And so you say, God, why didn't you come through for me? God is saying, why didn't you come through for me? By trusting me, even in the darkness, as well as the light. Because sometimes God doesn't come through for us. Because he's testing our faith. Are we able to wait upon the Lord? You know, we live in an impatient generation. Recently did a wedding last weekend. And for my wedding homily, you know, I was thinking about what am I going to say to this couple? And having done other weddings, you're, you're thinking to yourself like, you know, we go through the same old stuff. Ruth chapter one. So I was preparing and I said to myself, you know, it's time for us at these weddings to families and to marriages. People don't last, not because of a lack of love, not because, oh, we just don't have enough spirituality in the home. Many marriages don't last because people are not patient. It's like I want my spouse to change today. I want my husband to become that spiritual leader. I need him to be today. But the Bible says in the apostle Paul's mind, writing by inspiration, that the first quality of love is patience. Before it's kind, before it does not vaunt itself, before it is not easily provoked, he says, love suffers long. So if you're going to love, you're going to suffer and it's going to be long. But you ain't never seen anybody weeping at their wedding at least not for sadness, till death, the person just breaks down and starts crying, I don't know if I can make it. (laughs) You see them smiling ear to ear, in the front of other witnesses. Who in the world pays thousands of dollars to make a death commitment to another human being? (laughs) And dresses up for the occasion. Oh, yeah, this is going to be till death. I'm so excited. (laughs) Two years later, they're like, what was I thinking? (laughs) And that's when I pray. They go back to the words of the apostle and remember, you said you love this person. And if you really love, love suffers long. And is kind. So when we talk about we love God, then you tell me, can you wait upon the Lord? We don't have to walk around feeling sorry for ourselves saying God didn't come through for me. Sometimes we got to say, Lord, I love you. Therefore, I can wait. I don't have to have it today because when you go to the New Testament example of Abraham and Sarah situation and you look at Elizabeth and Zacharias, the Bible says they were old and well stricken in age. And the angel of Gabriel appeared in the sanctuary. While Zechariah was still ministering to God, that's just a lesson in and of itself. That a man who's been praying for a child, the Bible says that they were honorable in Israel. Respected husband and wife. And he was not saying, God didn't bless me with a child, therefore I'm done serving in the priesthood. That's what we do. We feel like God hasn't come through for us, I don't want to go to church. I'm not interested in serving in his organization. I'm trying to do evangelism right now. Because God hasn't come through for me. But Zacharias was still ministering to God. And while he was still ministering to God. The angel Gabriel came and said. Zacharias your prayer is heard. And is answered. You will have a child. But he had waited so long that his faith was growing dim. He says No, nah, we're old. How will these things be? And Gabriel looked at him and says, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God. I mean, that should have been enough right there. That should have been like, sorry, don't even finish the sentence. My bad. We're going to have a child. So you're, you're, you're thinking to yourself, here is a couple that was waiting to have a child who knows how long, decades Saying your prayer is heard, your prayer is answered. And you say, why God didn't you come through for me? Elizabeth could have asked herself, till she had John the Baptist. And that God would be able to look at her son. And Elizabeth would die knowing that Jesus said there is no man greater than John the Baptist. Born of a woman. I'm so thankful I waited on the Lord. I'm sure she was saying. And when she gets to heaven and understands that John was the only person that desire of ages says he did not soar on the winds of Ezekiel. He did not see the flames like Daniel's Hebrew boys. He didn't see the timeline of human history all the way down to the end. He died in a dungeon alone. But she says, no man. Save John the Baptist. Greater than he. Why? Why? Because he had fellowship with Christ in his sufferings. Amen. Why is it that God doesn't come through for us sometimes? It's Because God is saying you need to learn to wait upon the Lord. Do you really love God? Because we can't wait. But as if that wasn't enough to convince us, go to Deuteronomy chapter 3. Deuteronomy chapter 3. You find that even Moses, the meekest man upon the earth, the man that Jesus said, I speak to him face to face. Even Moses experienced disappointment. Say, God, why didn't you come through for me? The Bible says in Deuteronomy 3 verse 23, are you there? He says, then I pleaded with the Lord at that time saying, Oh Lord God, You have begun to show your servant your greatness and your mighty hand. For what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do anything like your works and your mighty deeds? I pray. Let me cross over and see the good land beyond the Jordan, those pleasant mountains in Lebanon. But the Lord was angry with me on your account and would not listen to me. So the Lord said to me, enough of that. Speak no more to me of this matter. Go up to the top of Pisgah and lift your eyes toward the west, the north, the south, and the east. Behold it with your eyes, for you shall not cross over this Jordan. But command Joshua and encourage him and strengthen him, for he shall go over before this people. And he shall cause them to inherit the land which you will see. So we stayed in the valley opposite Beth Peor. Moses was coming to God, recognizing that because of his mistake, God said, you can't cross over into the promised land. So now Moses comes to God and he prays. And the Bible says that God said, don't speak to me of this matter anymore. Because, you know, when people are disappointed, sometimes we are in denial. And we keep praying to God as if his answer is going to change. But Lord, please, and and we cling on to every promise. We cling on to every spirit of prophecy statement that someone seems to present to us to provide us hope that maybe God is going to come through for me on this very thing. But there's someone here this morning that God is saying, don't speak to me on this matter anymore. Enough of this. It's time for you to go up to Mount Pisgah where you're going to die. It's time for you to get on with your life. It's time for you to move on. It's time for you to let it go. And accept the answer of the Lord. I'm not going to let you cross this Jordan. Now I want you to mind, Jordan is not a big river. This is not the mighty Mississippi. This is not the Amazon. Moses could have easily crossed that river at any time. What is preventing this man from walking across the river to the other side? He could have easily disobeyed God. He could have easily taken matters into his own hands and said, I'm going to go over Jordan anyway. I was in the wilderness 40 years to prepare for this time. And I went through the wilderness another 40 years because they didn't believe. 80 years of my life spent to go to this land and I can't cross over for one mistake. He could have easily said to himself, God, I don't understand this. How come you're not coming through for me? How come you're not hearing my prayer? This is a man whose prayers saved a nation. When God was ready to destroy them. This is a man whose prayers, when his hands are lifted, the battle is being won. And when his hands go down, they are losing. But this time when he prays, God says, enough of this matter. Don't speak to me about this again. Go up to Pisco." And so this morning, there's something you've been praying about over and over and over again. Lord, please, Lord, and God is saying, listen, enough of this matter. It's time for you to move on. It's time for you to go up to Mount Pisgah this morning and accept the fact you're going to see it, but you're not going to have it. And you say, God, why don't you come through for me? But the answer is, while Moses was sitting here striving, To cross over into this earthly promised land, God was trying to take him to the heavenly one. So you're saying to yourself, God, why didn't you come through for me? And God is saying, I didn't come through for you in this way because I'm coming through for you in a better way. Because one day, Moses, when Jesus is going to be in the same position you're in. He's not going to cross over Jordan, which means death. He's going to go through this particular river of death. Jesus is not going to be translated to heaven without seeing death. That's a hard thing to even swallow in your mind. That the saints in the last days, 144,000, are going to be translated without seeing death. And yet Jesus himself died before he went to heaven. And he lived the perfect life. He didn't even make any mistakes like Moses. So Moses... You don't understand. I didn't come through for you in this way because I'm coming through for you in another way. And one day when Jesus was about to go through his trial. He went up on a mountain. And Moses came down. To encourage him. And you say, God, why didn't you come through for me? He wasn't asking that question that day. (laughs) Because all the sacrifices all the sanctuary meanings he was looking at in the face of Jesus. This was the prophet who will be raised up like unto himself. And Moses got to see Jesus face to face. And not only see Jesus, but can you imagine having the assignment of encouraging God? God, why didn't you come through for me? Because I'm coming through for you in a better way. Brother or sister, I'm telling you this morning, you may feel as if God has disappointed you. But sometimes God has to disappoint us in one way so that he can surprise us in another. Listen, I know that the sting of disappointment, it doesn't go away easily. I remember when I was first graduating high school. And all these schools were recruiting me out of high school in Georgia. And so I remember University of Southern California called me up. They said, Sebastian, we'd like to offer you a full ride. Accommodations, tuition, and we're going to give you $2,000 a month stipend. As an undergrad. And we'll fly you out here. All we need you to do is study computer engineering. I was sold it's the farthest place from my parents as I could possibly get (laughs) it was free and I'm getting paid to go to school at USC so I was like man told my dad well guess that's handled we know where we're going later on that summer I get a phone call from the recruiter she says hey listen um, Mr. Braxton, we're so sorry but we couldn't process your scholarship. I said, Excuse me? They said, Well, we haven't received your, your FAFSA application because your father hasn't finished processing his tax information. And I said, Well, you know, he has his own business and it's probably, he's probably asked for an extension. They said, Well, there's nothing we can do at this point. We've decided to give it to someone else. Oh. <laughs> God, why didn't you come through for me? But you see, God disappointed me. And I'm not going to lie. I was probably depressed at that time in my life. Ended up going to some local community college. And of course, all your friends who were like, I thought you were going to USC. <laughs> Just holding your head down. And to make matters worse, my stepmother went to the same school. So now you ride to college with your stepmom. It was just a terrible situation. And then she would think people were me on campus calling my name on campus. Sebastian, Sebastian. Person turns around like, who's Sebastian? Oh, I thought you were my stepson. Then you go there, you're playing basketball. Wait, your name's Sebastian? I met your stepmom outside. Yeah, you're not getting a girlfriend here. I was definitely depressed, completely broken. So broken, I decided to join the United States Marine Corps just to get away from home. I wanted the longest, hardest possible program I could find. Went over there, went through that whole hell-like experience, came back, and I realized why God disappointed me. Because he said, Sebastian, you're going over to USC. Who knows what would have happened to you? A college student doesn't have to work. Everything's paid for. 18. First time you out on your own in California. I mean, the devil was like, this one is a check off the list. He's for sure not coming into the Adventist church. But God had disappointed me because it was at that community college that I met the young lady who gave me the message. So a year and a half later, there I was in the word of God hours and hours a day. Coming home, telling all my friends and we used to roll deep 1920 of us. (laughs) I'm not even joking. And when it was time for me to make that decision to cross the line. And I told my friends, I said, listen, man, this rapping thing, this whole hip hop thing, this clubbing thing, this girl thing, I'm done. I'm like, there's nothing in this. I found the thing. My own sense of purpose and direction in life. I found my moral compass. I found my center. And I went to all my friends. They knew. And for a while, it was just awkward. Come to school and it was 19 of them and one of me, they just say, hey, are you doing? We you know, you're not trying to do the stuff we're doing. So just say what's up and see you later. And for a while, it was a lonely road. But 100 percent worth it because here I am. Amen. Having the privilege to minister. That's how you know that Christ is a great savior. That's why God doesn't come through for us sometimes. I want to take you to our critical passage this morning Luke chapter 24. As we continue to connect this to Jesus' cross. Luke chapter 24. I'm going to start in verse 17. God, why did you not come through for me? We know this story. It is the road of Emmaus. And in Luke chapter 24, in verse 17, the Bible says, And he said to them, What kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are what? Sad. Sad. So Jesus has appeared to them after the resurrection, and even he can tell that these people are what? They're sad, they're emotionally broken, they are unhappy, they are depressed, they're thinking to themselves, man, some of these disciples have been walking since John the Baptist, four years, some of them five years, all this, you're like, this is the Messiah, this is the thing, this is the thing, and then you go forward, and this is what the end of result, but they go on and they respond in verse 18. And it says, then the one whose name was Cleophas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened there in these days? Funny thing is, he's the only one that knew what was happening because he was risen. (laughs) He's like, I'm going to tell you what's happening. Jesus is alive. And he said to them, what things? So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth. Who was a prophet, that's where you messed up, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were what? Hoping, trusting that it was he who was going to do what? Redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. So here you're looking at the fact that this disappointment is fresh. Three days and they're saying, listen, man, we're we're walking back to Emmaus. We're leaving Jerusalem. And he said, these are the things that why we are sad. It is because we were hoping you cannot be disappointed unless you have expectations. No one can disappoint you if you don't have any expectations, And what a man has, why does he yet hope for it? You don't hope for things that you currently possess. So as a result, they're they're saying to themselves, we were hoping that Jesus was going to redeem Israel. The first question is, did he redeem Israel? Yes. Yes, he did. But not the way that they wanted him to. They thought that their number one problem, their number one issue was the Romans oppressing them. And the disciples, even then, still did not get this. Go to Acts chapter 1. Go to Acts chapter 1. And we find their their disappointment is even more obvious. Acts chapter 1, quickly. The Bible says... In verse 6, Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? So they are still on this concept of an earthly kingdom being set up. That you're going to return the kingdom to Israel. This is what they meant by redeeming Israel. Bringing us out of physical slavery. Because here in their minds, they're saying, well, in the Old Testament... Moses was the one that brought us out of physical bondage in Egypt. Isn't that true? And then when we were in Babylon, eventually Cyrus was the one that gave us the go ahead to go back to Israel. So every single time we've been oppressed, there's been someone to come along and deliver us from our physical bondage. But this time Jesus was coming down to deliver you from the true tyrant in your life. He wasn't coming to deliver you from Caesar. That is not the true tyrant in your life. The true tyrant in your life is a man called Satan. The true tyrant in your life is this little man that likes to climb in your life called Sin. So when I come to redeem Israel, you say, God, why didn't you come through for me? Because God is saying your expectations were off. Your expectations were not only off, they were too low. They were too narrow. So we come to God and say, oh, Lord, just bless me on this exam. And we say, God, why don't you come through for me? You know, I'm trying to get into medical school, pass the MCAT. And God is like, you don't even understand. There's someone you're going to meet in the waiting room when you retake the exam, who will be searching and looking for truth. And as soon as they find out that you're seven day Adventist, they're going to be like, you know what? I've been trying to find another seven day Adventist to study the Bible with. And here you were weeping and crying over some spilled milk that God can clean up. And you're saying, Lord, why didn't you come through for me? And he said, listen, it's because your expectations of God are too narrow, too low. We want to come and say, Lord, forgive me for my sins. When God is saying, I want you to live above it. Lord, help me to love this person that I'm in conflict with. And God is saying, Lincoln, I want you to love all people. We are coming to God and saying, Lord, just help me to get along with my husband, help our marriage to be a better marriage. And God is like, no, I'm trying to use your marriage to completely radicalize all the families in this community. You say, why didn't I come through for you? Because if I would have come through for you, it would have been 100% less than what I could have done. Because you're talking to a God that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you could ever ask or think. So when we come with our expectations to God, if you can ask it, if you can think it, he can do more. It's too low for God. If God can only do what we can ask or think, he shouldn't be God. He's just another Einstein. But brothers and sisters, if we really believe in the message that we claim to believe and you talk about your story and my story in the cross, the cross was a moment where Jesus did the most amazing thing in the history of the universe and we were disappointed. And if it's true at the crucifixion, it's true in your life. And if it's true in your life, it's true in my life. That we say, you know what? Cross, fire. Shots have been fired. We're so angry at God And Jesus saying, there's something bigger than you. You're just suffering a couple hits. You're in the middle of crossfire here. We're focusing on this one situation. And like God is saying to Moses, it's time for you to go up to Mount Pisgah. And one hymn writer got it right. When he wrote that hymn, Sweet Hour of Prayer. He says, may I thy consolation share. Till from Mount Pisgah's lofty heights, I view my home and take my flight. Brothers and sisters, why didn't God come through for us? God didn't come through because he wanted to test our faith. Say, can you wait on the Lord? God didn't come through for us because God is saying, I'm going to come through for you in another way, in a better way. God didn't come through for us because our expectations were off. He disappointed bad expectations. You see, that sounds like a little soft word. So let me make it a little more pointed. When Martin Luther King Jr. was asked about the civil rights movement, they said, you know, these are segregational laws. These are laws here. You know, you should not encourage people to disobey the law. And Martin Luther King Jr. looked at him and he said, unjust laws must always be broken. The fact that it is a law does not mean it should be obeyed. It is because it is a just law. Unjust laws must be broken out of respect for the law. You're not understanding what I'm saying. So when God looks at you and you say, Lord, this is my expectation. This is a law that you're setting for the Lord. And in setting this law for the Lord to say, God, you should be doing this and God disappoints you. We're ready to bond him, lock him up and throw away the key. Well, you know what? I'm not trusting God anymore. But the cross has taught us to look at our stories of disappointment. And to say, listen, what you think about redeeming is not what I mean by redeeming. Because I'm not going to make this general. Oh yeah, you know, we could talk about, we thought the Lord was going to do this. No, let's come back home to the soul, to your story. And the story of your life is either you will overcome sin or sin will overcome you. That's how every story ends in the human story. Either you won or you lost. Either you got victory or you experienced defeat. Either you are a general or you are a slave. Either you are a conqueror or you are the conquered. That is how the human story ends. One way or the other. So when you and I are sitting down here right now, in this moment, in this place, and we say, Lord, why did not you come through for me? I'm talking about your own personal redemption. The fact that sin is still persisting in our lives. We're still bound by pride. We're still bound by insecurities. We're still bound by people pleasing. We're still bound by our insecurities of how we look or if people affirm us. In these particular moments, we have a decision day in and day out. What are my expectations of God in my life? And will we come to the place where we accept that when he talks about redeeming us, it is not the same as what we think. Just like the Jews, just like the disciples, we look at, oh, I thought God was going to redeem me from being at this oppressed job. I thought he was going to redeem me from staying at home because my dad doesn't support my religion. I thought he was going to redeem me from under this bad marriage or this bad relationship. I thought he was going to redeem me from under this physical ailment. When the true tyrant in your life is not these things. That's not why you're discouraged. That's not why our lives are broken. That's not why we are not so happy with living. That is not the issue. Too narrow, too low. So you say, I want to be saved. We say we want to go to heaven. We say we want to be like Jesus. But God has even greater things in mind. In his concept of redemption. Brothers and sisters. Sometimes. God doesn't come through. According to our expectations. And too many of us, we want Jesus to save us the way we want to be saved. I want to be saved while watching what I want to watch. I want to be saved wearing what I want to wear. I want to be saved eating what I want to eat. I want to be saved talking to who I want to talk to. Flirting with who I want to flirt with. I want to be saved making the kind of money I want to make. Yes, we want to be saved while also. And the question is, if we are serious about being redeemed and we love to sing the song. If we're serious about being redeemed then you and I have to come to a point where we have decided in our minds, this is how bad I want it. That I'm willing to come to the table and tell Jesus all cards are on the table. What will a man give in exchange for his soul? When it comes down to say we're talking about redemption, brothers and sisters, we're talking about being redeemed. We're talking about wearing long white robes. Palm branches in our hands. We're talking about being on one side of the city walls or the other. What's the decision? Is there anything that we are not willing to let God disappoint us? Say, I'm not going to give you this. Because I have bigger things. Because you need to wait on the Lord. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. I want to make an invitation this morning, as I know outreach is upon us. So I have to make this very fast and very direct. Someone here that has been disappointed. Maybe it is fresh, maybe it is old. And so as a result, this morning, I just want to make this very simple invitation. That if you really understand what Jesus was doing at the cross. If you were really there and you see my story, I see my story here. That why didn't God come through for me? Because he wants to come through for me in a so much more amazing way. I know why this relationship didn't work out. I know why this job didn't work out. I know while this thing didn't come through the way I wanted it to come through. And this morning, Jesus is calling someone to say, it's time for me to let go of the pain, let go of the disappointment and accept that God has something better for me. It's time for me to learn the science of waiting on the Lord. It is time for me to trust that God's plans of redeeming me are so much greater. If that person is you, as Michelle sings this song, I want you to join me up front. Father in heaven, kneeling here to bring our fears, fears that we would dis- be disappointed again. We're here to bring our pain from previous disappointments. They say, Lord, we're laying it down right now. And like the song saying, that if we were there, when they crucified our Lord. We know what it's like to be disappointed and to recognize that while God was disappointing us, he was also saving us. The moment where we felt our hopes were crushed is when the greatest hope that we could have ever received was secured. So, Father, we see that in our story, we understand the feeling of Peter we understand the feeling of Matthew and Mark and John. Father, but we give you permission this morning to disappoint us a hundred times over. To give us even greater things. Deny us, Lord, our prayers when we are too shallow and too low. And give us courage when you tell us enough of this matter. Give us courage to go up to Pisco, To move on. In life, and to trust in the God that we have believed in, to be fully persuaded that He is able to keep that which we have committed unto Him against that day. But most of all, Lord, help us to leave nothing off the table when it comes to You redeeming us. Lord, let us be poor in this world's goods if we will be rich in heaven. Lord, let us be lonely on the streets of big cities and of financial institutions that we may walk with the blessed on the streets of goat. We trust and pray that as we rise from our knees at this moment, we'll be better braced for the next time. That we will not allow disappointment to be a means by which the devil discourages us and drives us far from the presence of the Lord, but that we may grow to walk by faith and not by sight. That we would trust God in the darkness as well as in the light. That we would not that we would not question your love, even in the darkest times. We thank you, Lord, for the healing that comes in faith. The healing that comes in hope. The healing that comes in love. Bless us now so that we may go forward to bring that same hope, that same faith and that same love to others. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. This message was recorded at the GYC 2014 conference at The Cross in Phoenix, Arizona. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire young people to be Bible-based, Christ-centered, and soul-winning Christians. To download or purchase other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org.